Good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Let's stand up. It's this new song we did a couple weeks ago. I think you're going to love it.
this out. This is the day. Here we go. This is the day that you have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in your name. And now my joy awaits my praise. I give thanks for all you have done. And I will sing of your mercy and your love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am grateful. When I was down, when I was down, you brought me out. Set my feet on higher ground So here I stand Cause you are my God Your faithfulness My solid rock I give thanks for all you have done And I will sing of your mercy and your love Your love is unfailing Lord, I Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We're mindful to give you praise today, as the scripture says that we just read. God, we're mindful to come back and say, we'll remember all the things that you've done. We won't forget all the things that you've done in our lives to help us. That's why we keep coming back, because we know that you've been there in the past. 
And God, we trust you to be here in the now and in our future. That's so hard. Um, it's easy to say because when you're going through the stuff, uh, man, um, we just got to keep looking back. We got to keep looking back and say, God, you were there and we'll know you'll, we, you'll be here now. So um, whatever it is, whatever we come in today with, we lay here at your feet and we ask for you to continue to move in our, our circumstances, Lord. And even if you don't, um, we pray that uh, you would move in our lives and move in a way where we see the power and the presence of who you are. And maybe that alone will affect and rain down on all of our circumstances and make our lives that much brighter. You are light and you are love and light conquers darkness every time. So God, may today be a day where uh, your light and your love just invades our lives. Thank you, Lord, so much for your goodness to us. We all pray in Jesus' name and say, Amen. God bless you, friends. I'm Billy. I'm one of the pastors here. Really glad you're here for worship today. Uh, Pastor Adam on the bass guitar is going to come over here in just a minute. But before he does, uh, say hi to somebody around you at Super Bowl Sunday. Tell them who you think is going to win or just say good morning. Thanks. Good morning, Hopeville. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Let's try that again. Good morning, Hopeville. How are you guys doing this morning? All right. Hey, it's great to be here together. Uh, Pastor Billy already introduced me. My name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm one of the pastors here at Hopevale. Uh, and I do get the privilege of playing bass this morning, which doesn't get to happen too often, but that's a lot of fun when I get the chance to do that. Um, hey, a couple things. Uh, if you're new here with us this morning, we just want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, hopefully when you walked in the door this morning, you were handed a program. And if you're willing, on the bottom of that sheet of paper is a place where you can fill out some information about yourself. And then you can either drop that in the offering plate as it's passed in a couple minutes or take it to the Welcome Center. Uh, either way, we would just love you to let us know that you're here. And if you go to the Welcome Center, uh, we have a gift for you there and just a greater opportunity for us to answer any questions that you might have about uh, our church, how you plug in, how uh, just you can get into the life uh, that's happening here at Hopevale. So again, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, we are coming off of a series uh, called Life Signs, just really giving us the opportunity to focus in on our relationship with God and then kind of flesh that out in communication and relationship with one another. And just so many great stories have been written of just the way that you guys have engaged with that. The feedback that we've received has been really positive. And so overall, you know, just for our entire church body, what a great opportunity that was, hopefully, to just raise the water level of all of our relationship with the Lord, and just a privilege to be able to do that together. And so if you took that, thank you so much for doing that. It continues to be live, and so would encourage you, if you've not done that yet, feel free to, to jump in and see what the Lord might have for you in that moment. You know, as a, as a church, one of our focuses is really helping us work out how we can glorify Jesus in everything, every area of our lives, every hour of the week, right? That's a big value that we have here at Hopevale. So Life Signs is one of those tools that helps us accomplish that. Uh, also, you know, an area of our lives like our finances, areas that maybe we don't always uh, have a lot of uh, ability to talk about. It's a little bit uncomfortable, and yet that is another aspect of our lives that God calls us to glorify him in and to give him worship through our giving. And so as we continue in our worship service this morning, uh, we're going to enter into this opportunity that we have to give back to the Lord uh, as an act of worship, as an act of obedience, and, and even just sacrifice out of all that God has given us. And so uh, I want to invite the ushers to come forward as they prepare to receive our gifts to the Lord. 
Uh, and as they come, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much for today. Lord, just the chance that we have to gather in this place and give you the praise and the worship that you so deserve, God. And so together, we just want to quiet our, our hearts, our minds, and stand in your presence and recognize you for who you are, God. Lord, you are so great. You are so glorious. Uh, you are so worthy of any little bit of praise and honor that we can give you. But Lord, we've come today because it's our heart's desire uh, to put you as Lord of our lives, God. And so, Lord, we want to be open and available to every opportunity that we have to do that this morning, whether it's through our voices singing these songs of worship and praise of who you are, God, whether it's giving uh, of our, our money, God, things that you have entrusted to us, Lord, we just want to give portions of that back to you for your name to receive glory here on this earth. God, through our minds, when Pastor Dan comes in a little bit and just dives into your word and what you would have for us, God, in all of these different ways as we fellowship together this morning, uh, you are the reason, you are the focus, God. And so we just want to tell you this morning how much we love you and thank you for your incredible love for us. God, because you love us, we want to tell you how much we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. remain seated as we continue an offering. Um, this next song that we're going to be doing is really one of my favorites. It's called uh, Called Me Higher. And every time I hear it, I'm just reminded of opening myself up and really listening and waiting for God to lead me and direct me in what's next and what he wants for me and what he desires for me. You know, there's so much craziness that happens in our lives. Sometimes it can be hard to just sort of sit and be open to that and just listen and just wait. And I'm so touched, too, that Julia and Lydia are going to lead this because they are youngins. They're both in high school. And uh, I just I love hearing them sing, you have called me higher, you have called me deeper, and being open to what God wants for them in this season of their lives. And I just encourage all of you, all of us, for those of you that did life signs and were able to go deeper to see what season you're in with God and your relationship with him, and also that season of life of what God is calling you to do in other people's lives and the impact and the difference you can have on them. So I just encourage you today as we sing this song to just be open to what it is that God is calling you to do in your life. Change me from the end. 
to where we need to be in this next season of our lives, whatever season we're in, God. You know our hearts. You know our desires. You know our fears. You know our shortcomings. And God, let us just release that to you so that we can truly go deeper 
in our relationship with you and also what you have called us to do. God, we love you so much. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. In your name we pray, amen. You may have a seat. Good morning, Hopevale. Yeah, great to share this day of worship with you. I'm Dan Davis, uh, senior pastor here. Great to have you along. Want to welcome those of you joining us in Bay City. Uh, great to share this day with you. Today, it's the first Sunday of February, and we are kicking off a new series for the month. But before we do that, I first want to give you another Life Signs update, all that we shared together back in January. So since our launch two Sundays ago, we now have had over a thousand people engage with Life Signs. That's incredible. Way to go, Hopeville, huh? So that means you have either started or completed that vertical life science conversation with God, which is just a phenomenal response by our church. So thank you for everyone who has stepped out in faith. You took the risk to have that open, honest, vertical conversation with God. Uh, in particular, too, I want to recognize some of our staff and leaders through this process, particularly Adam Harbaugh, our adult ministries lead pastor, Shannon Ramler, our group life director, and many of our group life leaders who have been on the front lines of shepherding many of you through this experience, encouraging both the vertical and the horizontal life signs conversation. So just... Um, so many people to pull this off. Pete Carlson and his media team as well have done a great job, so thankful for that. A few other comments about Life Signs. First of all, I want to recognize Bay City. So the feedback we're getting back, we've had a higher participation rate from our uh, congregation in Bay City than here in Saginaw. So that's just way to go, Bay City, right? Yes. They're clapping here in Saginaw going, yeah, glad it was you, not me. But no, you're supposed to have these conversations as well, right? Which means that if you haven't jumped in yet, it's still not too late, right? You can just go to our website right on the front page there of our homepage. Uh, there's a button that you can go through and engage in the life signs experience for yourself. We'll have that available on our website for a little while. We're also getting some feedback that some of you have completed life signs, but you haven't gotten your reports and personal growth plan yet. If so, just stop by the Welcome Center, leave your name, and we'll make sure we'll follow up with that. Also, I want to encourage you, like we talked about with last week's message, to take the next step and to have that horizontal conversation with a trusted friend that I really think will unlock some next level spiritual growth in your life. So again, great shared experience for our church. And you know, even though the series is done, the ripples are gonna continue through our congregation. And I look forward to hearing many great God stories that are happening as a result of what we've shared together. So that's where we've been with Life Signs. But now I want us to look at where we're going over these next four weeks. And to do that, 
I want to start off by saying a word out loud that technically has four, more than four letters in it, but for all practical purposes has turned into a four-letter word for our culture. And that's the word commitment. Commitment, that in the year 2020, it seems like everywhere you look, the very idea of commitment is becoming increasingly more unusual, more obsolete, and even more offensive. You name it, just look at the trends practically everywhere. Marriage longevity, political party affiliation, church attendance, religious identification, all trending downward. Did you know that the fastest growing religious group in our country is a segment of the population that researchers call the nuns? The nun, not the habit in the black robe, nuns, that's N-U-N-S. No, this is N-O-N-E-S, as in they don't identify with any particular religious group, even though some of them consider themselves highly spiritual. Don't want to commit to a group. You know, I read an article this past summer about attendance at the University of Alabama football games. Now, if you don't know anything about sports, Alabama, the Crimson Tide, is right there the top of the list of premier college football programs in the country. They've won more national championships in the last couple decades than any other university. But the article went on to saying that not only is college football attendance slowly declining across the country, but even at the University of Alabama, they're having to work harder to not only fill the stadium on game day, but also to come up with creative solutions to keep people, especially students, at the games for all four quarters. And we're talking about one of the most passionate fan bases anywhere in a state where football is religion, commitment. Now, just to be clear, in me bringing up this whole topic of commitment, I'm not, you know, some old guy boomer ranting about how great my generation is and how we need to go back to a better time, right? No, because it seems like every age, every stage of life is struggling with commitment these days. And so this is just one fellow Christian who happens to be a pastor talking to another and wondering out loud things like, what's going on with commitment these days? Why does it seem harder for people to make and then keep their commitments? And then how about this question? Does it even matter? Maybe people are onto something. How important is commitment anyways? Are our lives really any better or any worse if we never make commitments or if we happen to break one? Maybe you've never asked questions like that before, but I bet you've answered them, at least on the inside. You've answered them where the answer shows up in how you live and the choices you make. With all these questions about commitment going on you know, inside my head, it got me doing a lot of reading and research for some answers. Now, there was one particular article that caught my attention. It was entitled, Seven Reasons Why You're Afraid of Commitment. Seven Reasons Why You're Afraid of Commitment, written in November of 2018 by Peter Benvenuto. Seven Reasons Why You're Afraid of Commitment. I was scared to read it, but I made the commitment. Here's what it said, right? <laughs> Reason number one, you feel vulnerable. Scared of making the wrong choice, right? So you have a decision to make, something about a job, a relationship, a purchase. But when you make a decision, make it, it puts you out there. It feels risky because you might make 
the wrong choice. And so the thought of messing up, thought of being wrong just freaks you out, so you play it safe, you don't choose anything, right? No commitment means no vulnerability. Number two, the pursuit of something better. Mm. There's something better out there, right? That in wanting something new, something more, you're always going through life looking for an upgrade, right? And so the thought of staying in a commitment feels like you're settling. And who wants to settle? Number three, unrealistic expectations. The perfect person, the perfect relationship, the perfect home, the perfect marriage, where the standards are so high in our minds, it keeps us from saying yes to anything. And let me tell you, while it's not in the article, I think the worlds of things like Facebook and Instagram, they don't make it any easier on us because everyone is putting their best foot forward rather than their real selves. And it creates this standard that no one or no thing could ever measure up to. Number four, time. Time. The article says time, but I think the author means procrastination, where we talk ourselves out of making a commitment thinking, I'll get back to it later, right? And our list of excuses are endless. I'm too young. I'm not ready. I've got plenty of time. And we just kick those commitments down the road, right? Number five, feeling trapped. Oh, this is the big one, right? That a commitment makes us feel trapped, confining, suffocating. And so we don't make commitments because we don't want our options limited. I mean, why do that if you don't have to? Especially in this day and age when it seems like there are more options than ever before. Number six, letting the past predict the future. And the idea here is this. I mean, let's face it, we have all been burned before by some commitment we made in the past. We went in, all in, on someone, something, right? And the other person, he, she, it, let us down. Maybe they didn't want to, or maybe they were unable to stick it out. And they couldn't hold them, or they didn't want to hold up their end of the bargain. And so we take the hurt from that broken commitment on their end. Of the past, we project it onto the future, which, by the way, for me, is why I, as a child of divorce, was hesitant to jump into marriage myself. And I'll talk more about that next week. And then number seven, you're too busy. Too busy. Like many people, you probably think you have no room in your life for any new commitments. You're just too busy to be bothered with taking the time to genuinely connect with someone or something. And so you constantly tell yourself, you're going to get around to it when life lightens up and slows down, even though you know deep down it probably never will right? Seven reasons why you might be afraid of commitment. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I bet as we went through that list, there was at least one of those reasons that resonated with you and why it's a challenge for you and, and for me too, for us to commit to something. But here's the thing. This article that I just referenced came from a mainstream publication with no religious connotations whatsoever, which means on the one hand, those of us here who identify as Christians, as Jesus followers, we live in the same noncommittal culture as everyone else, right? And so as I went through that list, yeah, we face the same challenges as everyone else too, right? 
So from that aspect, we are no different than anyone else. Commitment is hard. It is, but then on the other hand, we're called to find our life direction ultimately from the pages of Scripture and even more specifically from the words of Jesus. Jesus, who even though he lived in a different time and different culture than ours, he still speaks words of timeless truth that transcend any era. Words that actually carry greater relevance for our lives than anything we could read or hear right now. And so while we don't have the time this morning to look at everything Jesus had to say about commitment, I do want us to look at least one passage in particular. Why? Because this one is, is so shocking. It is so startling. It's so upsetting, quite frankly, to our contemporary senses. And so if you have a Bible with you, paper or digital, I invite you to join me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, we'll begin in verse 57. Now, this is a time in Jesus' life and ministry where he has already done quite a lot. He's done a lot of teaching. He has performed many miracles. And so the word about him is spreading. His popularity is growing. And now there are a lot of people who want to get in on the action, who are caught up in the Jesus mania that is taking place. And so here's Jesus. He's making his way from Galilee in the north through Samaria in the middle to Jerusalem in the south. He's with his 12 disciples who have been with him for some time now. And we read this in verse 57. As they, so it's Jesus and his 12 disciples, were walking along the road, a man said to him, to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I will follow you wherever you go. Now, talk about an all-in commitment, right? When you throw a word in like wherever, whenever, whatever, however, I'm all in. So this is what Jesus says, verse 58. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man, referring to himself, has no place to lay his head. Now, you read these words and it, feels kind of cryptic, right? What's Jesus trying to say here? Well, in essence, he's telling this guy, uh, if you're going to follow me, you need to know what you're signing up for. Because following me, Jesus says, isn't going to make your life any easier or more comfortable either. It's not, right? I have no place to lay my hat, right? If if you're in it for all the the bonus bucks, it's not, now parentheses, this is Pastor Dan talking. Following Jesus will make your life better. It will. It's just Jesus' vision of better is far different, far greater than ours. Verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. But he, this other guy, replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Now I read this and I go, wow, it feels like a very reasonable request from a responsible Son, until you inject some culture into this, scholars say that when you factor in Jewish burial customs, that this man is not making an immediate request, but rather an eventual request. 
But first, let me go very much. That's not an immediate request. It is an eventual request where the man's answer is more like, I will get around to it when my father eventually passes away, which obviously wasn't right then because otherwise the son would have been totally preoccupied with the burial arrangements, which he wasn't because he was there. Eventually. Verse 60. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Harsh, but clear. In other words, don't hide behind your excuses. You can't wait forever. There is always going to be something else going on in your life. And then a third and final encounter, verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow to do the work going forward and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know, you read passages like these and you go, wow, Jesus is really anti-family, isn't he? But guess what? He's not. He's not. No, he is just testing where people's loyalties lie. Following Jesus is not about exclusionary loyalty, exclusionary loyalty that cuts you off from everyone else, which is, by the way, what the cults do, right? It's not exclusionary loyalty. But following Jesus is a call to primary loyalty. Primary loyalty that above all else, following Jesus is an all-in, you-are-first kind of commitment. Can you make that kind of commitment, Jesus says. So, here we are, year 2020. What would you have said to Jesus if you were in that story? I wrote some things down. Um, Well, Lord, see, here's the thing. Back in the 11th grade, I got stood up at the homecoming dance, and so I'm still dealing with some commitment issues in my life. But, you know, I'm working on myself right now these days, Give me a lot of me time, and I think, you know, I'm going to maybe sort of kind of be ready eventually, right? I don't know what I would say. But I wanted us to look at these words of Jesus from a passage like this, because they're just so jarring, aren't they? Jarring compared to the keep your options open, non-committal kind of culture that we live in today. But here, you can't airbrush the parts of the Bible you don't like. You can't soften up the rough edges. Christianity and commitment go together. Christianity and commitment go together, and so as followers of Jesus, we need to work out this idea of commitment on a few different levels with questions like, what do I need to be committed to? Who do I need to be committed to? How do I make and keep my commitments? Why do my commitments matter? And then how about this one? Can I have faith that my commitments will really benefit me in the end? Questions we need to think about. And so that's what our February series is about. That this year, being a leap year, and more specifically in honor of this month being the month where we get that extra day, I've entitled this series, Leap. Leap, four commitments worth making. Because after all, that's essentially what a commitment is, isn't it? It's a leap. 
to leap into the safety of one place, into the uncertainty of another. A leap, believing that the leap into commitment is going to somehow pay off in the end. Now, the commitments we're going to look at in this series aren't necessarily the four most important commitments we'll ever make in our lives, but they do represent areas of our lives where making and, these, and keeping these commitments will grow us spiritually and benefit us personally. They will, and so for the rest of our time today, I want to talk about the first of these four commitments, these four leaps, and that is a leap into church. Our leap into church and why you being committed to your church matters. Now, if you've been at Hopevale for any length of time, you've heard me say something like this, that church isn't so much a place to attend, it's a people to belong with, right? That following Jesus is meant to be both a personal and a collective experience. In other words, let me put it this way, that as Christians, we don't just go to church, we are the church. As Christians, we don't just go to church, we are the church. Did you say that with me? As Christians, we don't just go to church, we are the church. See, Scripture makes it clear that if you belong to Jesus by God's grace through your faith in him, then you also belong to his church. It's a package deal, in other words. It's not a la carte where you get to pick and choose. So belonging to Jesus, belonging to his church, they automatically go together. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You, using the plural version, you all are the body of Christ, church. And each one of you is a part of it. So when I hear a statement like, I like Jesus, but not the church, I mean, I get where that's coming from, right? And people's frustrations with quote-unquote organized religion. But again, you can't separate the two. See, Jesus isn't so much your personal trainer who's going to work you out individually so you can do your own thing. But no, he's more like the coach of your team that you have been put on, the body of Christ. So that as Christians, we don't just go to church, we are the church, right? And so how does hope fail fit into all that? Well, the passage we just looked at in 1 Corinthians and others like it in Scripture, when they talk about the church, they're talking about the big C universal church of Jesus Christ worldwide. The big C church. It is the ultimate multi-site church. One church in millions of locations. Right? It's a church not defined by any one building, denomination, language, or style of worship. It's a church where Jesus is the seniorest of pastors. And see, it is this invisible church that you have been placed into at the moment of your salvation. But then, it's a church like Hopevale, where you work out that belonging locally and tangibly. See, here we are just a tiny sliver of the universal church. A tiny sliver that gathers with specific people at specific times, in specific places, led by specific pastors and elders. And so as Hopevale, as this small C local church, we make visible the invisible reality of the big C church that you're already a part of. Does that make sense? And see, it's important that you understand that because here at Hopevale, we know our place. 
We know our place. We don't claim to have the exclusive corner on the market where we think every other local church in town isn't connected to Jesus' universal church. We don't believe that about Saginaw. We don't believe that about Bay City. No, that's just absurd. Still, if someone isn't going to join up with us here, then it's got to happen somewhere else with some other group of Jesus followers. And so the commitment worth making is when we leap into a local church like ours here at Hopevale. So what does that mean, then, for someone here to be committed at Hopevale as an expression of their walk with Jesus, as belonging to his church? Well, I have so much to say about this and not enough time, so let me just paint a picture and make a few points as we begin to close. The picture I want to paint comes from the Bible. Specifically, the New Testament book of Acts, otherwise known as the Acts of the Possible. And when you open up the New Testament, you have the four Gospels or the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The fifth book of the New Testament is this book of Acts, which historically takes place right after the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 2, we get to see this dynamic of both the big C universal church of Jesus Christ, as well as the small C local church at play. So in the first half of Acts chapter 2, we're told about the story of Pentecost. Pentecost, which takes place roughly 50 days after the resurrection. It is the establishment of the big C universal church where God sent, the Father sends his Holy Spirit upon these original followers of Jesus. They miraculously speak in numerous languages that are identified from people of different locations and ethnicities. That is when the big C church is born. And so today as Christians, 2,000 years later, we look back to Acts chapter 2 and Pentecost and we go, those are our roots. It's where we came from. But then as you work your way through Acts chapter 2 and get towards the end, the focus shifts to the small C local church, in this case in the city of Jerusalem, where Christians now are starting to work out church life in a visible, tangible, relational, and quite frankly, incredible way. So let's take a look at how they worked it out. Acts chapter 2, and as we do, I want you to keep in mind this whole idea of commitment. Acts 2 verse 42, they devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Devoted, now there's a commitment word, right? Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, right? The apostles are the 11 followers of Jesus plus Judas's replacement, right? Amazing things are happening. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There is a collective sense of what's going on here. Now look at this. Every day, hold on to that. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I love these verses because it models a 168 type of Christian faith where their life with Jesus wasn't just limited to their time of worship in the temple courts. No, it spilled over into their weeks. It spilled over into them sharing life together in their homes. And as they did, they were praising God. They were enjoying the favor of all people together. Now look at this, the end of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
This is the outcome. This is the overflow. This is the life-changing impact of a group of Jesus followers who didn't just go to church. They were the church. They were in community. They were on mission together. And I mean, I read a passage like this, and it just makes my heart leap over what we have here at Hopefell, but then also leap over what could be. What could be? What could be in Saginaw? What could be in Bay City? What could be in the Great Lakes Bay region that have God got a hold of our hearts and we all took some sort of leap of greater commitment into this local church called Hopa, into the way we practically work it out, this primary, this ultimate commitment that we have to Jesus and his church. Now, what that leap looks like is going to be different for each one of us. It's going to depend on things like our age, our stage of life, our spiritual maturity, our season of life, and everything we got going on right now. It's going to depend on specific ways that God has been nudging you through life signs, through your vertical, your horizontal conversations with God, right? But chances are that as you work it out here at Hopewell, it's going to intersect with one of these three areas, big, broad areas as part of our life model here at Hopewell, right? Life with Jesus, life with people, life with purpose. And see, this is what happens. Our commitment to Jesus is worked out through our commitments at Hopewell. Like, I want to make sure you understand this. This isn't like all your loyalty needs to be to Hopewell. No, your loyalty needs to be to Jesus. But how you work that out practically, tangibly, relationally is done at your church. Life with Jesus, which is about growing towards greater maturity as a disciple. Life with people about connecting deeper in community with each other. Life with purpose about living more intentionally on mission as you serve and love in the name of Jesus, both within and beyond the four walls of our church. So even more specifically then, it leads to questions like these. Are you committed to worship here? Are you committed to worship here? I mean, I know that life happens. And I know that unlike our grandparents, showing up 52 out of 52 Sundays a year probably isn't realistic. And that's okay. I mean, I'm glad we post our services online so you can see it by the end of the day, Sunday, for those, you know, who are unable to join us. I'm also glad that we're having some behind-the-scenes discussions about making plans to someday in the future live stream our services on Sunday morning. These are good things, but, but there is no substitute for the live shared experience of worship. And it's not just what you get out of it, but it's what you bring to it. The people gathering together, just like we saw in Acts chapter 2. A commitment to worship here, a commitment to worship in Bay City. Second, are you committed to connect here? Connect here in a group, right? They met together in the temple courts and in their homes, Acts 2 tells us. That you are not going to grow in your faith if you do not have life-giving relationships with other Christians. That's why our group life ministry here is so significant. It's also why we use the same small group approach with student ministries, with kids' ministries. It's the way you make a bigger church like ours get closer and feel more connected. Are you committed to serve here in a ministry 
that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you know him personally as your Savior, then you have been given ministry gifts by the Holy Spirit, gifts that you are to use in the service of others. And so whether it's weekly, twice a month, once a month, or on occasion, whenever, right? It means you're actually doing something here as a ministry servant to be a blessing to people in our church and in our community. Serve. And then are you committed to grow here? To grow here. We talk about what it means to be a disciple. That's someone who learns more, who obeys better, who's never content to coast on your past growth. You know, over the long run, your spiritual growth will happen best in the context of a church community rather than everyone just doing their own thing. You're committed to grow in your faith and your walk with Jesus here. And are you committed to give here, to express your worship through generosity here, right? Now, I realize we have some newcomers here, so this doesn't pertain to you, but if you have been part of Hopewell for a while, if you consider this your church home, then your worship of God through your active giving is best done here. It's best done here. Now, we're going to talk more about this later in the month, but I hesitate to give you the exact date in case you're planning on a sick day when we talk about giving, okay? So it'll be a surprise, okay? And then finally, are you committed to invite here? It's this whole reaching out mentality. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved, Acts tells us. It's not so much that people have to be in a church building physically to encounter Jesus, but it's a mindset we need to have. See, Jesus' church was never meant to be a closed club, right? Us four and no more. No, we need to go through life all throughout our week with open eyes, open hearts, praying, caring, sharing with those that God brings into our lives. Worship here, connect here, serve here, grow here, give here, invite here. So with this question, I want to ask you, how are you working out your commitment to Jesus through your commitments at Hopevale? Again, the primary loyalty, your commitment is to Jesus, but you work that out practically, tangibly, relationally in your church. That if Jesus were to look you in the eye right now and say, follow me, how would you respond? What would you point to in your life? To show him that you're trying, and, and that's what we, when we're all trying, right? Again, we're all in different places, so this isn't some competition, right? As if the more commitments we have at Hopewell somehow means we're automatically more committed compared to everyone else around us. No, that's not what I'm saying. But on the other hand, I mean, think about that Luke passage. If we're just full of excuses, if we have little to point to, then we might have reason to examine our commitment to Jesus, to look at how everything else is somehow crowded him out. And so as we think about this series, as we think about this month, as we think about our church, I'll leave you with this. What's one new church commitment you can make this month? As you think about those six areas, as you think about working out your commitment to Jesus practically in our church, right? What is one leap here at Hopevale that will stretch you, that will grow you, and help you follow Jesus more fully? I want you to not just think about it, not even just pray about it, as good as that is, but to actually do it, right? Talk to a ministry leader. Get on our mobile app. Get on our website. Go to our welcome center. Engage with a conversation, right? Just take a step. Because here's the thing. A leap into commitment 
is a leap into capital L, life with Jesus. It is in all his fullness and abundance. And when we can do that together, that's when a local church like Hopewell thrives. That's when we are at our best, both locally, here, and globally, both within our four walls and beyond our four walls. Because after all, we don't just go to church. We are the church. We are the church. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you that you have given us timeless truth that transcends any era. Because the siren sound of our culture plays to our fears. Don't get trapped. Don't miss out. Don't risk. Don't be vulnerable. And it seems like every single force around us is trying to talk us out of commitment. But Jesus, thank you that your voice of grace and truth rises above the chatter and speaks directly to our hearts. God, we know we're not perfect. And we know that Jesus, if you were to look at us and say, follow me, there'd be excitement and fear. But we hope there's also faith. So know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have our best in mind. So wherever and however you lead us, Lord, we want to say we will follow. And thank you that we get to do that in the context of this church. With like-hearted, same-minded people who know the grace of Jesus in our lives. And that we're doing this not as a collection of individuals, but as a shared community on mission with what you would have us do. So Lord, would you take each little step of commitment we make that we give to our church and multiply that for your kingdom, your glory, your honor, and the transformation of these communities and this region by the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, this we pray in your name. Amen. We have a song to respond to that perfectly fits just this idea of, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. So would you stand and let's sing along as the worship team leads us. this together where you go I'll go where you stay I'll stay when you move I'll move I will follow all your ways are good all your ways are sure I will trust in Trust in
I will follow you is the cry of a disciple of Jesus. Knowing it's fear and faith and uncertainty and all the stuff we carry, it's all mixed in there, but deep down, we know that when Jesus says, follow me, that he is leading us into life, greater life with him. So let's be those kind of people. Let's be that kind of church as we make our commitments in life. Next week, we're going to talk about a second leap. That's a leap into the commitment of marriage and look forward to talking about that in light of Valentine's Day coming up. We're going to talk about marriage. But as you go from here, may you go with a heart to follow Jesus. God bless you.